Hey, hey, it's Ringo, all-star band, 1989, deep dish, yum, 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 three, two, one. <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast. You see, one and yum are a near rhyme. Don't yuck my yum, don't yuck my yummy, it might be up to you, but it feels good in my tummy. And when you yes. take Tony and TJ's improv <laughs> music workshops, you learn nothing, nothing, not a word. Beef, beef teeth. teeth you can use that interchangeably beef and teeth there you go and that that's your uh that's your near rhyme of the day well there's a q word that i'm not gonna say because it's a family show that also rhymes with beef and teeth <laughs> and that's q merch q theme song <laughs> Welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. Uh, I'm Tony. Yeah, but I'm I'm the TJ. Our fact checking robot P3Z Nuts is here as well. Hi P3Z. Here's your first fact check. That song is mean spirited, and Bachman Turner Overdrive are a bunch of rude twants. Whoa, 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 P3, whoa. Wait, why do you come out of the gate so hot lately, P3Z nuts? Man, I don't know. That's right. I said twants. You know, I'd wa- I'd wash his mouth out with soap, but I would get electrocuted because he's plugged into the wall. Yeah, that's the issue is he can only go about five feet. <laughs> that, if you know what I'm that saying. That is his issue. Yeah, that's a lot, of, a lot of women know it. Yeah. Anyway. Five feet in robot. Yo. Microphone check, one, two, what is this? The five foot assassin with the roughneck business. Where did we go wrong? <laughs> May of 2020. Well, May of 2020. How come those jag bags don't know the release date of cold turkey? <laughs> Our first episode. Yes, folks, I got the year of cold turkey wrong because it was the pandemic and Tony and I were just riffing and decided to share it with you all. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, and that episode, that very first episode, I want to say contains no edits, I forget, but I think it contains no edits, so it's just raw, and there's no drops in it either, and we're leaving it as is. Our first episode is very... uh... (laughs) You're pretty, uh, you're loyal to that, like, you're more of, how do I say, like, you're more Mm. of like a make America great again, let's keep things as they are, and I'm more like, let's change everything up, let's have a Russian president here. Anyway, let's talk about Ringo. But first, this message. Oh, yeah, we have some housekeeping, of course, TJ. We have got to keep the place clean here at the Untitled Beatles podcast. Yeah, like and subscribe, all that stuff. We're on the Patreon. You can do the thing, the Star Club, the Cavern Club, the Casbah Club. Uh, welcome to the club. You get on our Discord. We can talk about the fabs. We can talk about everything. I'd like to come up with a, Tony, a Discord category for the cheaper fans of the show. Not the ones who legitimately can't afford it, but those of you with money, money. who are refusing to support us. Why don't we do Double Back Alley? For like fifty cents a month or something, like what, like the, like like the Ruddles version. <laughs> T- 
double back alley. Okay, all right, that's brand new. Did you catch that one, Casey? Our producer, Casey, of course, working hard, sweating behind this episode with all the edits. Well, I obviously just went to set up a double back alley tier on our Patreon, but it turns out Patreon doesn't let you set up any tiers for less than $1 a month. But you know what? You do you. If you want to send us 50 cents on PayPal, we'll get you an invite to the Discord. Why not? We're also on Public. If you want to get uh, Untitled Beatles podcast merch, we've got, uh, you know, I almost said phones, TJ, but we don't have phones. But you can get a sticker. Put that on your phone. Show your pride. Wear your colors. Um, yeah, T-shirts, purses, wallets, knapsacks, napkins, all, all, anything you want. Face masks, for those of you who still believe cloth face masks are keeping you healthy. And Tony, <laughs> I'm going to make a promise right now. Anybody who wears an Untitled Beatles podcast t-shirt mm. to the Fest for Beatles fans ah, this coming mm. August in Chicago, where Tony and I should be attending for a couple days, anybody who we see wearing a shirt gets like an extended, awkward, please don't touch me hug. <laughs> Like, 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 oh, that was fun. Now get off of me. Hug. You know what I mean? Like, like, like a fake uncle who served time. Hug. Ooh, stolen valor. Yeah. We're going to give you a stolen valor hug. Is that what you you mean? Or a stolen valet hug, depending on the Hyatt's parking staff. Oh, steal my 03 Corolla, Hyatt. (laughs) Yeah. We saw Ferris Bueller. We know what happens to cars when we give them to Sleazy looking, <laughs> swarthy valets. <laughs> Gee, what's a great 2023 joke? What country do you think this is? Hey, how you doing? You speak English? Uh, what country do you think this is? Well, TJ, I'm afraid we have to take yet another perp walk down to the, the Department, Department of, of Corrections. corrections. Okay, so I think we made another George Martin horse with no name quip recently. And Star Club member Max Como in Montreal said, Hey guys, just to let you know, while George Martin did produce a few later America albums, he uses all caps sometimes, he had nothing to do with a horse with no name, which was produced by Ian Samwell. So there it is on the record, TJ, Ian Samwell. Yeah, I don't get corrected by no Canadians, first of all. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Max, why don't you put out those fires up there in Quebec? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Them Canada fires are canceling Yankees games. Everything, everything's weird these days. Hey, by the way, Max, I liked you better when your name was HBO. Topical <laughs> media joke. Yo, Max. Topical media joke. <laughs> you know what TMJ's? Oh, my mouth. Um, Tony, I thank you, Max. Max, I think I knew that. I know George Martin didn't produce that, but I think Horse with No Name and Ventura Highway feel so Abbey Road inspired that I attribute every America soft rock tune to George Martin's mid 70s Sgt. Pepper film production, Heavy Hand. He's so heavy. <laughs> Did you hear that, Your Honor? <laughs> Let us out. Well, here, let's give you some Ian Samwell. Uh, who's Ian Samwell? Well, he wrote the Cliff Richard hit Move It, perhaps the first rock and roll song written in England. Come on, pretty baby, let's move it and groove it. Well, shake, oh baby, shake, oh honey, if don't lose it. Uh, he also wrote for Dusty Springfield. 
Uh, I just don't know what to do with myself was one of them. I just don't know what to do with myself. Don't know just what to do with myself. I'm so used to doing everything with you. Planning everything for two. And now that we're through. Joe Brown. Just like that, the song. I used to see my best friend Johnny Strolling on the street with his girl Swore that one day I'd get me a girl Just like that And the Mexican rock and roll group Los Teen Tops With the song Presumida Nos vemos presumida No te puedo aguantar Esas puntadas tuyas no las puedo pasar Tú sin caviar y sin faisán no vives feliz Mientras yo solo quiero bailar rock and roll con las chamacas Bailando y mis amigos gozando Junto con ellos te quisiera ver Pero a ti tan solo el bolso te convence Y un nuevo nombre te voy a poner Wow, was that an American crossover? Do they have any hits? No, okay. no. But they're big in big in Mexico and Japan, as they say. Also, TJ, here's the Beatles connection. Ian Samwell produced the original cast recording of the British musical John Paul George Ringo and, and Bert. Bert. Wow. <laughs> yes. So that was a 1974 named best musical of 1974 by the Evening Standard. Incidentally, George and Paul did not care for the production. George walked out during the premiere and wouldn't let them use Here Comes the Sun from from wow. opening night and on. So it was replaced by Good Day Sunshine. Paul walked out a funny girl because he was so pissed that that lead actress was such a bitch on Glee. I don't know her name. <laughs> you may not know this because you haven't been interested in Broadway since the day we met, but the star gets her own vanity. There is a perfectly fine bathroom mirror upstairs for the understudy. I almost walked out of the Lennon musical in 2005 in New York because I'd never, I've told you this before, never yeah. seen anything like it. As a diehard Beatle guy and a musical theater guy, the fusion of the two did not work. Yeah, I remember. I, I saw like there's like an audience uh, video camera tape. It's pretty rough, huh? Like every line's like, you're only supposed to go where you're meant to go. Like, what are you doing? It's like, it's like a Beatle cartoon with instant karma's gonna get you. God. Yeah. It's almost like your hell. It sounds like your hell. It's just, it's, it's just terrible. Like the songs were like orchestrated, like the hippie stuff. And the only Beatles song they did, the only John era Beatles song was Twist and Shout. Ah, 
because Yoko didn't wow. think Beatles songs were essential to telling John's story. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Not a bit. Look it up. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. I got drunk after the show with Saturday Night Live's Horatio Sands because we saw it separately, <laughs> found each other there, and then commiserated how terrible it was. Oh, uh, well, at least you had a friend to commiserate with. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and finally, TJ, we have a bit of a Trivial Pursuit quiz show controversy to address. A quiz show controversy. Okay, our friend and quote top fan jim spees is it spees or spees i'm gonna say spees okay yeah i know he's a philly guy because he's like i like the chicago oh. stuff but hey man i'm from philly got it got it we'll try and do more philly stuff like air quality index air quality philly index jokes. mocking when philly teams lose is always a favorite thing of mine <laughs> i dislike philadelphia sports fans immensely <laughs> i really do <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, hi, Jim. Hi, thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll meet you in Fishtown. Um, he had a couple things to say. Uh, well, he has these things numbered. Uh, number one, <laughs> I knew both Cow Palace and Beach Boys. This is uh, in reference to our Trivial Pursuit episode. I got two easy answers wrong. Mm -hmm. Ish. Two, he challenges friends to play the game with him. He'll let them have easy number one questions and he'll take all the, the, the hard questions, the sixes. Still no takers. And three, here's the controversy. Tony totally cheated. Two exclamation points. The rules say the last question in the center, the topic is chosen by the other player, not you. TJ was shafted. If I ever see you in Chicago, I'm going to fill a tube sock full of wood screws and whack you in the back of the neck with it. Wait, is this Jim to you or you to Jim? <laughs> no. <laughs> that was, uh, I, you know, Jim didn't write that, but oh, okay. I, that's, that's how it, I felt that coming from him. Those were the words well, I felt. Well, he's from Philly. Maybe he's upset about <laughs> Donovan McNabb. I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, okay. First of all, Jim, I know you've listened to the show for a long time. It's always a ball to interact with you on Facebook, and I appreciate you sticking up for me. What I will say to you right now, though, is Tony is my brother. I don't believe mm. there's any cheating on the Untitled Beatles podcast. What it is, is Tony and Casey are, what's the word, quote, more professional. So they make the rules because they are the rules. I am the subservient, subjugate bitch of the show, and I don't mind being that. Every show needs a D-bag. Every show, what's the asshole on Howard Stern? Who's the the a Gary yeah. or uh, Baba Booey? Yeah, every show needs a Gary. Every show needs a man cow. I think for this analogy, you might mean the famed man cow's morning madhouse sidekick turd. Yeah, I think that's it. I think you're the turd. Every show needs a Rover's morning glory. I'm the guy. I'm the guy on Appleton's home for rock. WFUK. Play Billy Joel. We don't fuck like that. WFUK. Appleton's <laughs> home for fuck rock. Hey, Appleton, you like trucks? You like fucking? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. I do like Appleton, by the way. Appleton Foxes. But here's the thing, Tony. I will say to you with love that I take Jim's point, but I'm happy that you won. It's going to make me train even harder. I'm For the first time, and this is something I've not said on the show, 
I'm going to listen to Magical Mystery Tour for the first time because I feel like that's like that album and Rubber Soul and Revolver and Tony Sheridan and introducing the Beatles are blind spots for me. Well, there you go. You have that to look forward to. <laughs> what any of that meant. That's called a waste of time. <laughs> So thank you, TJ. Thank you for sticking up for me. I did not mean to cheat. Uh, that was me just not reading the rules all the way. Uh, so that's what that was. But yeah, perhaps we should have a rematch at some time in the future. And, uh, you know, after you listen to Magical Mystery Tour and all those records, yeah, you'll have a, a greater advantage. Tony, do we do it sometime in the future or do we do it sometime in New York City, which ties into this episode and a talk about the lead single, Take It, Tony. Take it, Tony. <laughs> Where did TJ go? He left me all alone. Now I have to talk about this song again. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you for the note, uh, Jim Spice, top fan. Uh, all right, next time we'll play it right. Okay, got it. A quiz show controversy. All right, shall we get to the topic at hand, TJ? A topic I'm so excited to discuss with you. They're all exciting, but this topic was inspired by the fact that in October, Tony and I will be seeing together for my, I think, sixth time, maybe seventh, and Tony's wow. first time solo, yes. we will see Ringo Starr and his all-star band. Now, Tony got to see Ringo with Paul at, at Dodger Stadium, which to me is must have been one of the great moments. Yeah. I mean, ever to see two living <laughs> Beatles. On, it's a dream. I'm so thrilled you got to do that. Yeah, yeah. But I, you're right. I've never seen Ringo do his uh, his all-star band thing. And we thought, given that that's coming up in October, not that far, it's a good time for us to delve into an album that I have loved. Surprise, surprise, since it came out. <laughs> I bought the CD at the Coconuts at Diversity and Clark. And I bought the vinyl at the Coconuts at Diversity and Sheffield, both in 1990. <laughs> when the Coconuts were like a block and a half Literally, apart. they were a few blocks away. And I'm going to show you, for all our viewers who were not on the air, this is the oh, original Coconuts 1099 sticker. That was expensive vinyl in 1990. Yeah, 1099. That's like a dollar more than you should have paid for that. <laughs> it's a higher list price for the holidays. And we're, of course, talking about Ringo Starr and his all-star band's first album from 89 live at the greek it came with this obi strip or ob strip it's numbered 3363 it didn't sell a ton of copies tony no. this album isn't rare but it's fun as hell to have and i got it in 1990 <laughs> i just had to show you <laughs> you sound you, i love how excited you sound look, look, at the, look at the white vinyl back from back in the day oh I mean, holy shit so it's colored vinyl it's like clear yeah. uh transparent white uh, with a greenish tint it feels like well whatever it looks like coke bottle right yeah it's a coke bottle vinyl and um which mccartney issued his latest album on in eight different versions of coke bottle vinyl um the one thing i'll say tony this is on the Ryko disc label or Ryko, which yeah. started out as a cd label and yet That's here, right. here this is i have it on vinyl and i bought this some years later because tj shanoff must collect all the records here's the cassette tj shanoff must collect all the records 
Pull that cassette out. What is it? It's clear. It must Ooh. be a clear cassette, right? You want to see something weird that's surprising me, too? It's not the real cassette. It's a Fuji cassette <laughs> with my handwriting that says Ringo Live. I don't know where the real cassette went. It's a counterfeit. Oh, no. I wonder if you... I bet you lost the original cassette. Maybe it got eaten in a car or something yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe I dubbed it because that's my handwriting. This is... And these Fuji DR2s are from, like, what... 93 92 so yeah, yeah all right that's wild man that's wild i love this album i'm so excited to get into it with you um you want to go through stats and facts and then we'll kind of talk about your overall thoughts <laughs> let's do it i love I'm it i'm so excited <laughs> well first of all you're saying like you know it's not that rare or whatever but you know you can't stream this record mm-hmm. and i feel like it's out of print Yes, there was one pressing of Ringo St- in the States. There was one pressing of Ringo Starr and his all-star band uh, that uh, technically volume one. And that was 1990. It has never been repressed. It has never been streamed. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you want to listen to this record, it's not as easy as just getting on the old algorithm or <laughs> Getting on the algorithm, <laughs> as the kids say. Uh huh. Yeah. And then, but I did find you can actually watch the, uh, it was, they put it out on DVD, but uh, a video of the show on YouTube. And it actually has a lot more songs than the vinyl or the, the CD. Yes, a ton of songs that were left off the physical release. That's what I did to prepare for this. I listened to it. You were so. Because I don't have this record. I didn't buy it when it came out. You know what I mean? I saw Ringo on the Letterman show. I remember that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the band and so forth that you announced this morning. Uh, what, why did you decide to do this? How long ago did you start thinking about it? And I've been thinking about it for like 10 years. Mm-hmm. I'm a real slow guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, Pepsi went to David Fisher because Pepsi are promoting this. And David Fisher is the producer, actually. And uh, he came over to London and he said... Uh, do you want to go on tour? Uh-huh. I said, let me think. And then I said, yes. Yeah. And uh, then I decided, how would I like to go? You know, and I didn't want to go with me just in the front and, you know, with the band behind you and up all the time. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have fun. So uh, I just called a few friends up and they were all enthusiastic. And here we are, Joe Walsh, Nils Logfram, Dr. John, Billy Preston. <laughs> Levon Helm, Rick Danko, Clarence Clemens. And I was into the Beatles at the time, so I was, it, that was a, a real moment for me. Um, but yeah, like I never, I never went out to see shows. I think I didn't get that concept yet that like, oh, I could leave the house and r- go see this show. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, and he played that year. I didn't see him. I was at camp for two of the shows. He played in Noblesville, Indiana, which is close by. Yeah. He played at the Star Plaza Theater, I think. That's true. And he might have played. Yeah. Well, you know, wait, wait a minute. It's got the whole list. The beautiful thing in this is it shows oh, it's you. It's a gatefold, too, by the way. We should mention it on the vinyl. It has the itinerary. <laughs> it's got the whole tour itinerary. He opened in Dallas in uh, July 23rd of 89. The next show was Chicago, July 25th. I didn't go because I was at camp. Thanks, camp. Uh, then he was in Indianapolis on the 26th. He was in Alpine Valley on the, uh, in, in, you know, south of Milwaukee um, in Troy. But yeah, man, he played a ton of shows. I didn't see it. But this to me, before we get into the specifics, Tony, because I'm just bursting at the seams, <laughs> there's no Ringo all-star rock album like this one it's the only ringo live album for all its weird 80s cliched flaws 
that I would recommend to a fan of classic rock. The lineup makes the most sense. The second one, there's the version from the Jazz Festival with Quincy Jones introducing. That's not a bad lineup with Todd Rundgren and a few other people too. But the lineup started getting weirder and less classic <laughs> rocky. To me, this album, which is like half of a last waltz reunion. Yeah, there's a lot of band fans guys of the there, band. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love this record. And there's so many Beatle ties that we will get into. But now, because I'm all over the map, <laughs> time for everyone's favorite time, TJ to STFU. <laughs> well, yeah, there's been 14 incarnations of the All-Star Band. This is the first one. It was conceived by David Fishoff. Or Fishoff. I don't know how you say his name. David Fishoff. He was a sports agent. He represented Lou Pinella, Phil Sims, Dave Magadan. Remember him? Sure. New York Mets, I believe, right? I think. And he represented some Catskills acts. Uh, he's responsible, TJ, for the 1984 Happy Together Tour featuring the Turtles, the Association, Gary Puckett, and Spanky and our gang. <laughs> Which is what Lady Willpower's about. <laughs> and I would gladly teach you if I He started those those rock and roll fantasy camps. So you have him to like, if you want to like, oh, I hung out with Roger Daltrey. It only cost me $7,000. <laughs> and he didn't even talk to me. <laughs> no, I took three bites of a sandwich near him and he said he had to go. <laughs> but I went to the rock and roll camp. No, maybe they're better than that. I don't know, man. I don't have that kind of bread. The 1986 Monkeys reunion tour he did. Yeah. And also the 1988 Dirty Dancing tour. Featuring Bill Medley of the Righteous Brothers and Eric Carmen. Uh, he starred in the Garbage Pail Kids movie as Clogged Dwayne. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, that's someone else. But he was My up for it. What's happening character when he was constipated? <laughs> I should say he was up for that. He's kind of the Charles Manson of the monkeys of the Garbage Pail Kids movie. <laughs> He was either yes. going to be Clogged Dwayne, Rod Wad, or Dwight Bite. One of those three. <laughs> Ali Gator. Valerie Bobber. Lisa Gray. I'm the fire for this. Foul Phil. Nice to the totes. The Garbage Pail Kids movie. They may not be pretty, but boy. They make great friends. Yeah, and then so, yeah, so Ringo goes on Letterman to promote it. Famously, he gets played on with this boy, Paul Schaefer and the World's Most Dangerous Band. Parentheses Ringo's theme. Thank you. Uh, this morning, he announced that he is forming a brand new band for a national tour beginning in Dallas next month. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Ringo Starr. <laughs> Then uh, they did two segments with him. They played I Want to Be Your Man into the commercial. Uh, what? What? We'll do a commercial. And then we'll uh, continue here with uh, Ringo Starr. Which is funny to hear Anton Fig play it, too, because it, like, it didn't have... I love Anton Fig, but, like, you know, there's... Ringo, Ringo has a certain unique one-of-a-kind swing yeah 
And uh, this is also 89. So maybe I, Anton knows how to swing, but maybe he was, they were just doing more of like a 1989 rock arrangement on it, but it was very like, you know, on the, on the, on the fours. Uh, then Ringo got to jam with the world's most dangerous band playing just kind of yeah, <laughs> New Orleans one, four, five kind of stuff or whatever. It's like, a, yeah, it's like a random bluesy thing. It's really neat. Yeah. And Ringo starts it like, yeah, I remember, I remember Letterman being like, you don't want to go over there and play the drums, do you? There's no way you don't want to go over there and uh, play the drums for like a. I don't think he does. So Ringo just lays a beat down and they do their boogie woogie thing. And Tony, it's important for those who may not be big Ringo files that we contextualize where Ringo was at this time. Ringo's last album released in the United States. This is 89. His last yeah. United States album was 1981. Stop and smell the roses. Right. Because old wave, which was 83, did not get any distribution outside of Canada and I think Germany. So all of a sudden, Ringo, he's doing the Sun Country Wine commercials. He's got Shining Time <sighs> Station. <laughs> he's been drunk and he's trying to kind of rehabilitate himself and his career. But yeah, the 70s, the first half were great for Ringo. Definitely. The second half, less so, but still things like Rack My Brain at least had some semblance of charting. By the 80s, Ringo was, was DOA as a musician and someone to be taken seriously. This act, what David Fishoff did, David Fishoff. and this whole concept to which Ringo still does today, this saved Ringo Starr. This got him sober. This kept him alive. This kept him touring. For as much as these become hackneyed, cheesy fests where the guy from Supertramp is singing back up to Sheila E's The Glamorous Life, <laughs> these right. things can be very strange, but what a gift to have Ringo on the road non-stop since 89 all thanks to david fishoff Fisher. it's a wonderful wonderful gift to beatles fans that's cool man now when was that chips moment country album that was sometime in the 80s wasn't it yes i think that was around the time of when george doing cloud nine i think is that 87 the chips yeah. moment stuff Probably. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. See, I, I need to do a little more research on that. Um, I'd love to know more about that. Uh, Chips Moman, the, the, the Nashville producer with whom Ringo recorded a country album that he was so messed up, he didn't want to release. And to this day, it's not been released somehow. Can you right. believe that we've never heard that record? Or yeah. I haven't, at least. It's, it's the country uh, carnival of light. Yeah, it's the Ringo country the day the clown died. <laughs> Are we going to ever going to get to see the day the clown cried? No. You want to know why? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was embarrassed. I was ashamed of the work, and I was grateful that I had the power to contain it all and never let anybody see it. It was bad, bad, bad. Now, I want to say Chip's moment is more Memphis than Nashville, but did he? Yes, you're, I'm sorry. You're right. Yes, Memphis. I, I just you're wanted right. to get that because he did. Uh, he recorded famously uh, the Elvis Memphis records. So Suspicious yes. Minds and all that. And he did Neil Diamond as well, like Sweet Caroline and all that. I think it was recorded at American, the American recording studio there, which is now a family dollar. If you oh, go down no. to. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
one thing Chip's moment helped popularize, and which was unfortunate because then it became a rift, was like, are you team Ponch or are you team John? <laughs> and everyone's moment about Chip's and who's better. And that gave us the term Chip's moment. <laughs> I mean, I'm moaning in a different way because I'm thinking about <laughs> Bonnie from Chips. Oh, thought I was moaning about jokes. No, I got pervy. I went perv. <laughs> Let's talk about this 1989 lineup, eh? Oh, it's the best. Yes. You want to go in the order that's on the album cover? Yeah, let's do it. It's interesting. It's not alphabetical. The very, of course, Ringo's in the center of the cover. Yeah. Because it's Ringo. But Dr. John on keyboards. Billy Preston on keyboards. The band's Rick Denko on bass. On bass. <laughs> on Lance Bass. That's right. <laughs> Rick Denko on bass. Joe Walsh on guitar. I think Joe Walsh is probably the big second star of the show. As great as everyone else is, Joe Walsh, to me, is the second star. Nils Lofgren, who played with Springsteen and played in Crazy Horse, is on guitar. All right, Nils. All right. LeVon Helm on percussion. Jim Keltner on drums. Clarence Clemens on sax. That's a goddamn band, Tony. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a heavy band. band, man. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I want to say he was able to get Clarence Clemens and uh, Nils because the E Street Band had like recently been dissolved by the boss or whatever. Yes, Bruce, I think from the... I think born in the USA and on, or maybe Nebraska and on, we're not E Street Band. I think from the early 80s, it was just solo Bruce. The last album the full E Street Band recorded with Bruce was 1984's Born in the USA, and they formally disbanded in 1989. Yeah, let's take a look at that cover again, which features all of them, because it, uh, to me, it always looked like a late 80s version of one of those old, like, blues posters you would see, you know? Yeah. At the record shop where you, it's like there's stars and uh, yeah, their their faces are photographs of their faces are in each star and their names are there. You'd see this with Motown stuff like the, uh, you know, you'd see the Shirelles and the Temptations yeah. and the Four Tops. And yeah, same like thing. Those package tours kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a throwback. It's a bit of a throwback to that era, perhaps. And, you know, a lot of star power. Consider that even though the band had the last waltz since, what, 74, 75? 76. They'd gotten back and they were still touring, releasing new music, not all of them together. Robbie Robertson was doing solo stuff at the time. Uh, Billy Preston had had a rough patch. Yeah. Joe Walsh, probably also the most, you know, popular. Uh, Dr. John was great, but he wasn't exactly charting at this point. And uh, Keltner, had, like Keltner, my God, he had just played on the Cloud Nine album in 87. He's still one of the most sought after drummers. And Clarence Clements had massive hits, the one with Jackson Brown. Here's one thing I know. All my life, you're a friend of mine. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, which they do play. I think it's in that... Um, in the video. It's in the video. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, that song. I like that song. It's a t- I think it's a terribly composed song. And Billy Preston's so great singing it. But that's what's a t- when I'm hearing it, I'm like, this song's terribly composed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a story about that song. Maybe we'll get to it later. You know, I, I yeah, we have to get to it later. Uh, so, Tony, four drummers on this gig. At various yeah, points, you've got Ringo, Ringo's son, Zach, who fills in on drums when Ringo's up front. Right. And you got Jim Keltner and LeVon Helm. Yeah, man. That's insane. It is insane. There's always three drum kits on stage. So take that, Grateful Dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pavement. What are other two drummer bands? Uh, the OCs. Take that, the OCs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who you are. <laughs> They're good. I want to expand on a note I gave earlier. I mentioned it's the best true rock live Ringo album. Here's the difference, Tony. Mm. This feels like purposeful, intentional novelty versus often beautiful but chaotic force novelty this album doesn't feel like a forced collection of randos i think that's why i love this one so much even adding todd rundgren who i love to the second iteration of this and then you add frampton a little later on and john Enswistle in 95 i think so great players but this felt most like a band to me of all the weird Ringo iterations. I don't know if other people who follow the Ringo live shows feel the same way or not, but the cohesion of this band and this CD, Tony clocks into 52 minutes. So many songs, including ones that were on the CD single that came with the bonus of this. And also songs that are in the video of this 52 minutes in uh, for a 1990 release. I think, you know, that that's not cool for a CD specific company. There's no Yellow Submarine or with a little help from my friends. There's no other Ringo live album <laughs> that ignores either of those songs. Yeah. One or the others included in every other, including the ones with the roundheads. <laughs> There's n- not nowhere to be found, Yellow Submarine, or, you know, what do you need? You're 16, which is aged very badly. Yeah. Cue Gary Puckett. Why not ditch that and give us Yellow Submarine? It's very weird to me. (laughs) So you have a problem with the sequencing to a degree or what was left out? Yeah. When we go track by track, we'll kind of compare it to the uh, list. But yeah, man. Well, it's interesting. Like, I, I do commend this as an amazing lineup. But that said, this is to me, it's like when uh, in the 70s, you turn on a game show and it was like the actors who needed work. You know, they were between gigs. That's what this feels like to me. <laughs> I, I knew you'd say some iteration of that. I didn't know what the metaphor would be. <laughs> yeah, it's got a kind of an it's like all star blitz. It's or like, a, yeah, there's a Hollywood Squares kind of feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. Or the one where they have to do it. What's the one where you match match game match game or pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Okay, does that make does that make Clarence Clemens and Billy Preston uh, Waylon Flowers and Madam? <laughs> Girls, we've got to talk. All this about the perfect ten. I mean, who are they kidding? <laughs> you know and I know you're never going to find one. I've been looking for years. And the best I've ever found was a three and a half. 
And that was in centimeters. <laughs> it might make one of them... Uh, <laughs> Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> Charles, are you Your ready? Your reign is over, Philip. The women are turning toward me. Later <laughs> notice, Jim J. Bullock. Jim, when yeah. young bullfighters are beginning their training, uh -huh. they don't practice on real bulls. No. What do they use instead? Volkswagens. <laughs> With horns. Uh... Yeah, or Shadow Stevens. One of these guys is Shadow Stevens. In fact, I'm surprised Shadow Stevens is not on here. From the center of it all, it's me, your friend and the boy, the Shadow. Uh, you know what's funny? Along those lines, in the, the live album of this, the second version has Quincy Jones introing the band at a jazz festival. And it's all Quincy going like, this is real serious. I've known Ringo for quite a while, and he is serious. <laughs> I've known Ringo for quite a while. And I'm glad to see him doing something like this tonight, because it's really serious. <laughs> like, Quincy Jones pointed back, like, why are Ringo and Todd Rundgren at this Montreal Jazz Fest? <laughs> yeah, why are they so serious? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I've, I've known Ringo, yeah. and he's serious. Hello Submarine made me cry. <laughs> it did a real serious version of it. The sound effects were horrifying. <laughs> I thought I was going to die in the Yellow Submarine. In the town. Let's get into this record that I encourage everyone to seek out because even if if you're even like a mini classic rock fan, like you like the band and you love The Last Waltz, you got to hear this record. Yes, even though it's only 52 minutes. But honestly, man, I think 52 is okay. I feel like I don't want an 80 minute version of this unless I'm seeing it live. Like, I, I think that's where... Uh, that's my slight overall. I think this is a thing that plays out visually better than, you know, audi audi audio, uh. audio, 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 Why are you such an audio ableist? Ably. Why can't you be true? Um, yeah, uh, let's get into it. Let's do it. All right. It comes off with the, 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 the crowd. You can hear them. They're fading into your living room, into your ears, into your car stereo speakers. And yes, a cymbal wash into it. Don't come easy. Got to pay your dues if you want to sing the blues. And you know it don't come easy. You don't have to shout or leap about. You can even play them easy. I think number one in Canada. Ding me. <laughs> I think number one in Cashbox and Record World, but only a number four in the Billboard Hot Billboard, 100. Billboard, yeah, I think we, number four. That's one thing. If Beatle fans don't know that, they're stupid. Do you hear me? If you don't know where this, where it don't come easy charted in Canada, you stupid. You dumb. Yeah, yeah. Why waste your time not knowing that stuff? Ugh. Yeah. Everyone, everyone knows that Don't Come Easy was a lead track off Goodnight Vienna in 1980. Okay, Tony, moving on for just a moment. There's a great moment in it, Don't Come Easy, that happens on every live Ringo album. And now they open a lot with a little help from my friends. 
but you hear mm. the band sing it don't come easy and then the audience explodes as Ringo walks out to the stage ah. so there's always a moment that uh, Clarence Clemens wails at sax intro and you hear the band going it don't come easy and when the applause starts Ringo's walking down center That's called showbiz, man. That's that's some good stuff. Yeah. yeah, in the video, he's got this kind of pink purple kind of coat embossed with stars. He's got his hair in a ponytail. And he's doing his trademark, that side-to-side shuffle. Sway side-to-side. <laughs> his yeah. aerobics instructor bit that he does. <laughs> that he calls dancing. <laughs> oh, it's so funny, just swinging. A lot of pointing. I think how many What's My Names they had to edit out. Every fucking Ringo album. And yeah. they're timid the first time. What's my name? I'm pretty sure it's Ringo. Is it Ringo? Who yeah. here? Is that Pete? <laughs> Just in case anybody forgot. Yeah. Somebody's like, Andy White. And then that person was removed. <laughs> Mysteriously never seen again. <laughs> that person, Andy White. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's a good song. Love this song. But yeah, afterwards, yeah, he has to uh he has to he has to get the Greek up to speed on who whose show is this? He needs that affirmation from the crowd. Tony, it's as we move on to the second song, it seems to me like Billy, despite the show having four drummers, like Billy Preston's doing a lot of the counting in. Like, I don't know, like I've never seen this many drummers not count in a song. And Ringo's like telling a story and doing bits, and the band's get doing the count in for what feels like 30 seconds. And Billy Preston's going, one, two, and right as he starts counting, Ringo goes, whenever you're ready, Bill. <laughs> Have you ready, Bill? Ringo, be an improviser. Listen, Billy Preston's counting you in as you criticize him for not counting you in. Whenever you're ready, Bill. I love that. I love that. I love that they kept that in there too. <laughs> they, they, uh, yeah, that's in both the video and the uh, the CD slash vinyl slash cassette release. Yeah, man, that's a funny moment. It goes into no no song. A lady that I know just came from Colombia. She smiled because I did not understand. Then she held out some marijuana. She said it was the best in all the land. Ringo has these nice little three-minute pop songs. It don't come easy, 317, and no no song clocking in at 328. That's that's Ringo's. I like that. That's 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 a nice tasteful length for a, a song, I think. Well, then you're gonna be disappointed in tracks three through fourteen. Oh, <laughs> Oh, is that right? <laughs> Just say it. Don't worry. I'll agree with you on most of the length issues as well. Um, but one thing I want to say, No No Song was also a huge hit for Ringo. Tony knows all the chart info. I don't. But oh. Tony's kind of our chart expert. <laughs> Me, I, you know, I'm just I'm just the, the common fan. Tony's the bibliophile. I couldn't think of the word. Well, as you know, the No No Song followed the success of uh, Oh... Oh, oh. Of only you, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and as as we all know, TJ, not only is this, does this uh, narrator of this song uh, meet a woman from Colombia who offers him marijuana, a woman from Mallorca, Spain, who offers him cocaine, and a man from Nashville, Tennessee, who offers him oh. moonshine whiskey, but... Uh -huh. This song. Tony Mendoza just successfully stalled for 32 seconds so he could look up the chart number for that song. Nicely done. This song charted weekly in Canada. It was number one. Of course. <laughs> and the Billboard Hot 100, it only got up to number three, but in Cashbox, it got up to one, number one. Well, Ringo was sitting there watching a Cashbox hole in his clothes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> ain't, ain't got I've no got cash. a hole in me pocket. Hey, I've got a hole in me pocket. A couple things about this tune. I mean, you know one of my favorites. I love No No Song. Um, it's in a different key. Mm. So just there's a lot of songs here. Now, Paul was on the road about a, a month after Ringo was. So Paul was on the road, too. Paul, to his credit, a, a, a real singer. Paul didn't change. Well, yeah, Ringo's a, come on. Paul's a real singer. Ringo's not. Ringo's an entertainer. But Paul McCartney didn't change the keys of, I think, any of his songs on that first world tour in 89-90. A lot of keys have changed in this. This is one of them. These guys play the song so well because everyone except for Ringo is currently loaded. I, th I think Ringo's the, <laughs> there was concern, Tony. I remember this in the media that when Ringo was just sober doing the tour with all these guys who are famous partiers yeah. that Ringo would get back into it. And Ringo said uh, something to the effect of, I'm so happy to be performing. I don't need the excess. I don't need the drink and the drugs. That's out of my life now. But all these guys are most of them. I think we're still partying pretty hard. Yeah, that's the road too. That's the road. And this is the only time this iteration of the all-star band ever toured, by the way. Billy Preston's organ solo in this is hilarious, and unfortunately, <laughs> the reason Kokomo happened. Kokomo <laughs> might have been before this, but it was. But yeah, Billy Joel's or Billy Joel, Billy Preston's going like. <laughs> yeah, the steel drum bit. <laughs> Take it away, Billy Preston. But he's wonderful. And as we'll get to Billy Preston and Liven's the all these proceedings, I love the way this troon is performed here. He also actually he looks really together like he he almost looks business casual up there, like in, in like a Lando Calrussian kind of a way. Like, he, <laughs> you know what I mean? He doesn't have a cape or anything, but like he looks pretty together. Like I would say, like, who are the nutters on this? Like Joe Walsh, obviously. Keltner seems like a rock. Keltner seems like he would partake a little bit, but not like, what do I know, man? I think it's the guys from the band. I think we're pretty notorious. And also, Dr. John apparently has a constant Bloody Mary on the piano. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I see the piano, he's drinking some creamy red liquid. I'm like, what is it, Mardi, Mardi Gras in your mind, buddy? What's going on there? Are you at Cafe Du Monde right now and not telling anyone? It's very funny. Well, he kind of is, right? Because when they go into Ico Ico, he's got his big feathered headdress on, right? It's such a great moment. I go, 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 I
the Dr. John Ico Ico has been a favorite of mine since 1990. I got a note here. In uh, <laughs> first of all, okay. In 1991, I was convinced he's saying gonna set your dick on fire. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. I'm gonna set your dick on fire. Set your dick on fire. Talk about him. Like, what kind of voodoo is he doing? <laughs> well, he was auditioning for the Jesus Lizard. <laughs> There's a cool shot of watching Ringo and Keltner drum in a two shot, which is really neat. Yeah, and then as cool. you as you mentioned, Dr. John, when he goes in that kind of feathered New Orleans getup, it's a wonderful, wonderful moment. Dr. John's piano playing is some of my favorite on this album on any record I've ever heard, Tony, for real. Like his fills and his like he does these eighth notes and that voice and we does this kind of he's doing all this cool New Orleans stuff. I'm not even gonna try, but his piano playing on this whole record, especially in this tune, is like top three piano rock on record for me, without question. Yeah, man. Yeah. And everyone gets a solo in this song. So like Nils gets a solo. He's a great player, but very technical. And then Joe Walsh kind of comes in and does kind of a dirtier version of a, of a rock and roll solo. Crunches it up. It's really yeah. neat. Clarence Clemens gets a solo. Rick Danko gets a solo. That's when Dr. John starts like peacocking around everybody. Rick, Rick Danko doing a ripping bass solo. Yeah. It's cool. And everyone has like, they're on their like third guitar change already. And uh, Danko plays the same bass through the whole show. FYI. <laughs> That's right. And he plays <laughs> some wrong notes in Beatles songs. Well, do you, don't send a tape of this to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Those are jazz choices, man. <laughs> jazz band jazz. choices. <laughs> How come they don't play Birdland? <laughs> So this song stretches out to like six minutes and 11 seconds. Now it's, it's very fun to watch on video cause you get to see Dr. John do his bit and he's plumed out and he's shaking his ass like in front, like right into people and shit. <laughs> um. <laughs> the, the band's having a ball and apparently early in the show, talk about last waltz early in the show, that slot was occupied with the song such a night, which is my favorite Dr. Mm. John tune. And I guess I go Ico's more kind of the party song, but Definitely. that's such a night, which I think was also done in Last Waltz. That would have been cool too. I've yet to hear a recording of that with Ringo's band. I think I just might be too pragmatic, you know, for this song in an audio form because it's there's not a lot of changes. It doesn't do a lot. It's six minutes and eleven seconds of like a Bo Diddley beat. <laughs> You know, there's no, not even a key change. Like, I'm always like, all right, I got things to do, Dr. John. Can we, 
Can we get out of here? I kind of like the whole. He's doing. I like that stuff though. I like. I like all that stuff. I mean, I like it for about that long. Yeah. Has <laughs> a Letterman transition in '86. Now, TJ, we are going long. Should we make this a two-parter? I'd prefer to not talk about any more of this record with you because you're desecrating. Everyone has their never mind. And Ringo at the Greek is my never mind. <laughs> the Bullocks, here come the Sex Pistols. See you next week! Untitled Beatles Podcast. Like and subscribe. All right, cool.